What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller. Today, we got Alex Skelly on with Deer Development. Uh, he's been on the podcast a few times, walking through some early season and some season plans and whatnot with him. He sits, how many times did you sit last year? Like 50-something or 60-something? Dude, before I finally shot one, the, it was 56. Yeah. 56 yeah. So, and I think I talked to you on like 54 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it was. It was right before. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and Alex sits like that every year. So he's got a lot of time in the woods, a lot of, lot of knowledge, a lot of um, tactics and tips and things like that. So we're going to run through some of that today. Before we get started, I just want to do a, a couple, a couple quick uh, thank yous to the partners. And the biggest one actually right, right now is, is Jocko Fuel and Origin Hunt. So, uh, there's been a couple of you that have made purchases over a thousand dollars for origin and like origin camo and Jocko fuel. And I just want to say, I sincerely appreciate that. And there's, there's been, there's certainly been people who have purchased like using the code Heller 10 use Heller 10, you get 10% off and every purchase I, I sincerely appreciate. And there's been a whole bunch like in the, the 50 to $150 range, a few in the $300 range, but then there's been a couple of over a thousand dollars, which is just, I, and you're using my code and I just want to say, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's, it's really helpful for me internally helps me keep deer vein moving along, helps me get some fun stuff. Um, if you are any of those people, um, shoot me a message. I'm getting all new hats in and, and I will give away a few of those hats to a few of the people that are using the Heller 10 code. So just shoot me like your receipt and everything that you use the code and I can match it all up in my system and I, I, like I said, I got some new hats coming in and be happy to send them out to you. I really appreciate that from you guys. Um, so, so, th so just want to say thank you. So, um, and if you don't know origin hunt, uh, camo, it's a new camo company, American made hundred percent American made, uh, from the cotton, from the sewers, from the buildings, from the people, everything is, is made, uh, basically on the East coast in Maine or in, uh, I think it's North Carolina. And then it's shipped across the country and it's phenomenal camo, very durable, very uh, lightweight, sweat wicking, all the nice stuff, very comparable to all the other top brands like a, a First Light or a Sidka or a Kuyu. They're doing a great job and they're coming out with more and more innovation every single year. Um, so, so definitely go check them out. And then the other side of that is Jocko Fuel, which is supplement line. So if you want protein, you want pre-workout, you want vitamins, you want, um, they have really good protein cookies actually, which I've been enjoying very much. So, um, so they have all these, these, these different supplements that you can get as well. So if you're working out, you're into fitness, you just want to, you know, lose some weight, whatever, like protein is a phenomenal way to do that. Uh, go check those guys out. The code Heller 10 gets you 10% off. Um, of any of that stuff. So they're kind of connected on the same website. Um, and even like the other, the other origin stuff like jeans and hoodies and uh, t-shirts and geese and all that kind of stuff. They do have a big jujitsu side of things. So all that stuff, Heller 10 will get you 10% off of. So thank you everybody for who's been making those purchases and, and all that stuff. Moving on to the next one, Elite Archery, new partner of the show. They've, uh, I'm shooting the Elite Era phenomenal so far i've shot a couple shoots with it um first bow I, and i don't i i can't like this is it's the first bow where i've where i've just lined everything up shot a broadhead and it was tuned like right in with my arrows which never happens like that has not happened i've been hunting for oh close to 20 years been shooting a bow and that's never happened <laughs> so very happy with that and that's not 
that's not 100% to elite's credit. It's it's credit to a lot of things in just the setup, but basically they said you need to have that rest seven ace off the riser, set it seven ace, put the broadhead on there, sent it, bullet hole, and just dumping dimes right in the target along with my field tips. So that was fantastic. I was shooting the iron will 125 solids. So those are the, the broadheads I'll be using this season. I do have a few schwackers in the in the quiver as well. So those will be in there. Um, but I'll probably be shooting the the 125 solid heads as well. Those schwackers were um a uh a recommendation from Dylan Lenz, who's a who's a good friend. So and he shoots schwack. I think he's still shooting those. I'm not, I can't remember. But anyway. So that's like it. And if, and I don't expect anyone to go out and buy an elite bow right now, but at the end of season, if you don't like what you have, or if you want to update or upgrade or anything, definitely check out elite. Um, they do have great bows. This one is, this awesome that I'm shooting right now, this carbon, and I'm very happy with it. It's comparable again, comparable to any, any of the top of the line manufacturers like Matthews and Hoyt and PSC and all that stuff. So definitely give them a shot. Um, I, I really like it. Have you ever shot a carbon bow, Alex? I have not. I played with them in the shop a few times and just, well, I guess I did shoot it maybe five arrows in the shop. It was a Hoyt. It was a Hoyt okay. carbon bow. And uh, it was really light. It was really light. Well, obviously they're selling points. It's really light and yeah. it's not going to freeze your hands. You know, when it gets cold, oh, carbon doesn't, carbon doesn't yeah. get cold, like obviously aluminum. Um, So it was nice. I, all in all like my bow but um, <laughs> i see the advantages of it don't get me wrong because it's like a pound and a half less than the than the uh, other option yeah no and i uh i'll be like flat out honest is is that the omnia i was between the omnia and the era era is the carbon bow the omnia is the standard aluminum riser um and it's like it's like a 600 dollars difference i think mm -hmm. um but with the with the the partnership through elite, I was able to get them. They were only like a hundred dollars difference for me. So I was like, I'll just get the era then um, mm -hmm. and shoot that carbon bow. And I, yeah, I, I didn't think about the cold on your hand. That certainly can be a, a factor when you're hunting like late November, sure. December and whatnot. But when you're the, 56 uh, sits into it and yeah, <laughs> it's middle of December. I need that carbon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I know I have a thing about wearing gloves like with my bow because it's like, do you practice with them? Like if yeah. you if you wear gloves, you need to practice with gloves in the backyard, right? Yeah. The, your grip and everything's fine. Otherwise, it can be a little wonky. But mm. the other the thing that I've noticed the most is it just flat out sounds different. It's uh, it sounds more like like a like a boom, like a pop type thing than uh I don't I I couldn't tell you. I can't explain it, but like in these, in the 3d shoots that I've been with and the buddies that I've shot the courses with, they're like, man, that thing just sound, it's real. A, it's really quiet, but it just sounds different than an aluminum bow, which is kind of, mm -hmm. I just think that's, that's kind of cool. And the weight, like I'm, I'm so not concerned about quieter. The I think it's quieter than my VXR. I didn't put like a decibel meter on it or anything like that, but I do yeah. think it's, I do mm -hmm. think it's quieter. It's it, it's a different noise. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's a different noise. And I don't, I still think like, I obviously still think a, a, a buck or a doe will be able to jump the string on it. Like, mm -hmm. that's not, I'm not saying like that'll, that'll change anything, but it's just, it's a different sound, which is interesting. Um, 
I actually shoot the VXR right now. That's what I have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still got mine sitting in the garage. It's kind of my backup. I had an Elite. It's an older bow. It's an Elite GT500. That's what I was running as my backup bow in case my VXR like blew up or something and I didn't have time. So I have mm-hmm. that one sitting there. I've had that one there for years. I should probably get the, like the string redone and it back up and running. But then I got, the, and I got the VXR and now I have the uh, elite era and I'm wondering if I should sell my VXR or keep it and let it sit there. Like, I don't want it to just collect dust. Like it should go mm-hmm. out to somebody who's going to shoot with it. Mm-hmm. And do I just keep the other elite as my backup? I could probably do that at this point. I don't know. I haven't decided. And nobody, mm-hmm. I also didn't think when I got, well, maybe I could sell it right now. There's a lot of people who don't start thinking about bow hunting until like October 20th. Mm, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, which is, which is good. Like they need to continue that thought process. <laughs> <laughs> leave the uh, early season alone. Yeah. Yeah. Just leave that alone. So maybe I could throw it up there and see if anyone will grab it. What do you think a VXR would go for? It's a 75 75 pound VXR. just the bow no sight no rest no nothing yeah it'd be nate uh, uh it's got a oh the other thing i'd say about the carbon the elite era is it doesn't matter the weight i don't care about the weight because like basically i throw giant stabilizers on there anyway so it just like mm-hmm. adds all the weight that you would have taken back you, you should, know i i personally would just be shooting in the dark to tell you number but what i would do is bring it into your local archery shop and ask them what they're going to give you on trade-in and then mark that up like 150 200 bucks on marketplace and that you're probably going to be close yeah that sounds about right i'm thinking like what is a vxr brand new what was it brand new it was like 1200 mm-hmm. right i was just going to say i think it was 1200 so then if you did um I'm just looking it up on Marketplace right now. Ah, it's just a bunch of keys. <laughs> oh, you probably can't sell. Can you sell bows on Marketplace? I don't think you can. I don't think so. No, I just thought, yeah, I didn't think of that. No. I... Yeah, that'd be yeah. a tough one. I don't know. Well, if anyone's listening and you want to, it's a currently set at a 30 inch draw. I'm sure you can adjust that, but it's a 75 pound. I think it's the 30, it's the 31 and a half. It's the taller model VXR. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in that, Shoot me a message on, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, or my email is hellera90 if you want that bow. Um, shoot me an offer. Don't 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 send me anything for like a hundred bucks or twenty bucks, mm-hmm. but <laughs> like <laughs> making it re- make it reasonable, and I'll consider it. Um, so yeah, that's elite. So that partner, and then l- lastly, Onyx Maps, which you run. Do you run Onyx as well? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I've had Onyx since they came out. Yeah, dude. I mean, Onyx has been has been significantly helpful. I hate the word game changer. Like it's just overused, mm-hmm. but it's significantly yeah. improved. Oh yeah, my oh, yeah. scouting capabilities and all that stuff. Like being able to see mm-hmm. the public private land boundaries, being able to drop waypoints, check your wind, check your entry exit mm-hmm. routes, track your track everything. Now you can see it in three D. You can run topo maps satellite maps just hybrid like you can mm-hmm. do all the nice stuff on the app so i mean basically during hunting season and even starting like right now i'm pretty much looking i look at onyx for five to ten minutes every day like mm-hmm. yeah looking at where yeah. should i sit where where do i not have a camera right now that i need yeah. a camera oh yeah <laughs> i play that game right. same daily yeah so 
yeah man um that's it that's all i wanted to that's the front end that's the partners and stuff like that so now getting into getting into the meat of this podcast and the, the early season can you for anybody who hasn't listened to the previous have you we've talked twice on the podcast before right mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah, this is be the third thirdsies so yeah for anybody who hasn't listened to the other ones can you just introduce yourself and where you're at and all that jazz Hey guys, my name is Alex Skelly. Uh, my social media is uh, deer underscore development. You're mainly going to find me on Instagram. I do have it on Facebook as well. Um, I am on the Whitetail Addiction staff. Uh, I got, I'm in with Exodus this year uh, in their field staff. And uh, based out of Minnesota, uh, live in the suburbs uh, outside of the Minneapolis and St. Paul, I uh, sell residential real estate, uh, hunt all over, mainly the three-state area right in the top here, being North Dakota, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, um, building up them preference points for Iowa, but every year I try to I try to hit Minnesota, North Dakota, and Wisconsin, so been been living in the metro. I grew up in northern Minnesota hunting the big woods, and that's where a vast majority of my experience came from and then moved down to the twin cities and it's just completely different down here it's like endless endless forest in the north half of minnesota and the bottom half turns into rolling farm fields and agricultural or if you i like to hunt the the bluff country along the the river there that splits minnesota and wisconsin as well yeah that's fun that's like that's I've hunted the Mississippi a few times and that's just fun. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, a, it's fun. a beautiful country. It's it is amazing. like, yeah, yeah. And you got the train running the length of the whole thing basically. So you yeah. can, a lot of times you're walking tracks in or tracks out and then you're climbing up these mega Hills to go mm-hmm. sit these tops and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's really similar to Southwest, like in Western Wisconsin, which is kind mm-hmm. of, kind of where where i haunt but i've done some of that stuff right off the river and it's just a it's a fun mm-hmm. it's a fun hunt so yeah um anything sorry for cutting you off anything else no it's all good uh, i think that was the gist of it okay when you hunt wisconsin do you just like cross the river uh yeah my the farms i hunt are all permission properties um where i hunt over there it's there's minimum public land. So, uh, all my, all my access is knock on door permission and it's some of it's just across the river. Some of it's a fair ways into Wisconsin. It just kind of varies, but gotcha. yeah. Okay. So like, is, I'm just curious, like is Eau Claire, Eau Claire is about an hour from the twin cities, right? Mm, I would have to look that <laughs> I would have okay. to map that. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think I think it is because Eau Claire is about like two and a half to three hours for me. And then d- depending on where I'm going in the Twin Cities, it's about four hours because that's where one of my one of our largest customers from my actual work construction side, Mortensen, um, is based out of Minneapolis. So we head up there often to catch up with them. But yeah. um, OK, yeah. So then. So basically all all over the area and this year, like one of the things that I'm interested in is, is these permission properties you've dropped in water holes and you carry all your water in. Tell like, Mm -hmm. talk to me about that. Why, 
why do that? Is it, has it been beneficial? How does it work? Like walk me through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I listen to a little bit of everybody taking everybody's insight and how it's working for them and what they got going on. And uh, all these private property stories, they, they talk about how beneficial a water hole is and like how strong of a draw it can really be. And I heard that and I think it's very situational because none of these properties that I got, I can drive into or like very few of them I can drive into. I got to park, I got to park and walk, park and walk. And I mean, the, the landowner will drive right by me and wave in his truck, but I'm walking. <laughs> so uh, I I had always wanted to try the waterhole concept because it didn't, it has intrigued me before. And I, I got this small permission farm a few years ago and it sets up so perfect um, in the back corner of it to where there's one main bedding ridge and I'm not going to disclose all the details, but because of the way that this property lays out, they pretty much come in one way and they come out one way and it's got a nice pocket to the to the field where it's secluded they they got the privacy they want to drop down and pass out of this property into a either alfalfa or a cornfield and i got to thinking about it's like god i could walk the water from the house and it dude it's like 600 yards like it is a yeah. it is a dig and <laughs> for anybody that thinks that might sound easy i invite you to fill up two bucket five gallon buckets of water and get hiking because you'll make it like I personally make it like 75 to a hundred yards and I am, I got to stop and take a break and it <laughs> takes, it takes a little while to get in there. Yeah. But uh, all in all, I ended up buying a, I, I figured this spot would be really good for a water hole. It's a nice staging area. Um, it's pretty much a brushy fence row that splits the properties and it's right at the base of the ridge essentially where um these these deer will bed up on this one main point and then come down and uh two years ago now uh so last season is the first time i tried it i put it in in like june i just got a, a koi pond um it, it's a pond liner a plastic pond liner online uh, i think i paid like 130 bucks for this thing but it was and i know that everybody says well you got to have a bigger tank well i'm not hiking in 150 gallons that's just not feasible with five yeah. gallon buckets <clears throat> so what i got was a 55 gallon koi pond and uh i went in there with a little compact foldable hand shovel back in june of last year or no i was like may i made a video of it it's on my instagram but i dug i dug this damn koi pond into the ground there and fortunately for me it's like a there's a small runoff from that ridge there. So it was mainly like sand and like rich black dirt. So it's not like I was digging into clay, thank God, or a bunch of rocks. It was actually, it was fairly easy to dig in. But either way, I dug this this koi pond flush with the ground, uh, set her in there, got it situated, like stomped it all in. And uh, then I carried my... I loaded her up with five gallon buckets until it was full to the brim. And uh, I threw a camera on it and there's actually right in the corner of that field as well. It's like an inlet point of the field where they stage. 
And uh, right next to that, maybe 15 yards away, there's a big old primary scrape right there. So it's really a one-two combo. And uh, uh, I I had the camera there, and it ran through June, July, August, and it was it was crazy to me how these deer would would come and regularly hit this. And there was one buck that I've been chasing over there that I call Jet. I've been chasing him. This will be the third year now. And uh, I really got to see the full effect of this water hole last year when this, the target buck that I'm trying to shoot, this thing is ancient, man. This thing is, he's <laughs> on the down really sold. It's like in 2020, he peaked like in the 150s. Then last year he was probably... 130 he made a big drop actually last year it's probably like 130 125 and this year he's right at the same maybe 125 and uh but all in all what i i saw was so amazing to me is that in multiple instances like he would go out of his way to come hit this water and uh i i mean there was a there was a dozen deer hitting this little water hole um, but obviously the one that I'm concerned of, he would go out of his way to come hit this water on multiple instances. And, uh, it just picks up as the season progresses, like June, July, pretty quiet, August, mid August, it'll start to pick up. And then what I noticed more so this year is as soon as they, as soon as they grow their winter coat, as soon as that they go from bright red to to a, a, their dark right. thick coat you know it, yeah. imagine how much more insulated they are um since within the last week you know turning over to september i've just seen more and more deer hitting this water hole and uh so i think that has something to do with it i think that they just naturally as they lay there in the sun all day and it's 100 degrees out like last week they they gotta hit that water they really they crave it and uh, so I, I just had that, that water in there last year. And I had multiple instances where um, I had that buck, I was sitting on an Oak flat about 80 now from the water hole is like 150 yards, but I had jet skirt past me at like 80 yards last year. And I thought he was going to go to the Oak flat. Nope. He went right through a wide open field to cut <laughs> into this little property. And then I got him on the, on my trail camera hitting the water hole in the evening one day. And uh, I've just had multiple instances where it was like, wow, this, this thing really can have a draw and an yeah. effect to the, to the deer movement. And it's just kind of complements an already good spot because regardless um, they're coming through this one corner and there's a big scrape there already. So throwing that water in there was just another reason to, to, in my opinion, get them to go through there. But um, yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what though, the, the, my biggest, uh, <laughs> the kryptonite to the situation is that's holding this spot back is the local raccoon population uses my water hole as their personal jacuzzi <laughs> on a nightly basis. There's like a herd, dude, there's, <laughs> there's eight to 10 freaking raccoons they go into this water hole and yeah, it drives yeah. me nuts. But so that makes it all the harder to keep that water hole full, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it, I agree with what people are saying online. Like you need more, 
you need more than 55, you probably need a hundred, 150, um, to, to keep the water in there, but I'll go in there every, you know, three weeks to a month and fill it up and, um, just make the most of it. But yeah, it, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely beneficial. Um, some guys say that it'll pick up in the rut. I personally didn't see that, but I also moved onward to other spots. This is more of an early season spot in the first place for me. And, um, I can at least speak to September and, and early October. It, it, it's worth your time if you have a spot that you can put one in like that. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm, uh, so I put in, I will also say tractor supply, which is where I got mine is mm-hmm. 90 bucks for a 50 galloner. And mm-hmm. I think it's 110 bucks for a hundred galloner, mm-hmm. but it's a hundred bucks for a hundred gallon or 90 bucks for a 50 gallon. But I will also say the hundred gallon tank that they sell, like it's just a rubber made tank. That thing is deep. And it took me an hour and a half to dig the hole for that thing. Like that was a hell of a, that was a hell of a day. It was like 80 degrees mm-hmm. out, 85 degrees out. It took me a long time to dig that hole. Um, mm-hmm. So I would, uh, I'm not saying it's yeah, good, good or bad or anything, but it just letting you know, like could be much easier to get two 50 gallon tanks and just set them side by side. Cause it's, they're shallower. Mm-hmm. And then you get the same hundred gallons of water yeah, a little bit bigger space and you don't have to dig them as deep. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's where like one of the problems I had is I, I had a, mine is the hundred gallon tank that I put in this year is like maybe a couple inches high. I had to like build the dirt. I watched your video while you were talking there. I had to mm-hmm. build the dirt up kind of around it a little bit like you did. Mm-hmm. And that's cause I started hitting some rock and then I wasn't, I wasn't going to get through. So, yeah. um, but yeah, like I, I, I totally agree the the water holes we have running water on our property. And even though we have that, I was able to put in the water holes, um, mm-hmm. at, so the Creek on our property runs through a bottom and I put the water holes up on the tops of the ridges. So, and the idea there is just consistency. So like you're saying, like kind of keeping those deer moving in the same path that they kind of want to go on. And rather than like, if they're walking the ridge, you know, every, like you always see Yes, you would know this too. Like on the ridges, like everybody wants to think like, oh man, we've so perfect. If like the deer walked right across the top of this ridge and everything. And, and so few times that actually happens, they're usually like 10 to 20 yards off the top of the ridge, mm-hmm. right? They're like just below that, that trail that you're looking for is just below that ridge line. Yeah. Um, so if the deer are walking that ridge line, and they need to drop all the way down to the bottom to get some water, then they might, you know, they might go up the other ridge. They might go up the same, they might come back. They might just stay in the Creek bottom. They, they can do a whole lot of different things at that point. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have the water on top of the ridge, um, right on that trail that they like to use anyway, they're going to use it. They're going to stop and get water and continue to use it. So it Mm -hmm. breed the idea is that it would breed a little bit more consistency of, of the, of the movement and keep them going in the right direction or whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah, Yeah, we put, that was, that was one piece that I forgot to mention that what also makes this spot such a draw is that that bedding point that these deer are up on or anywhere near here, there is no water. There's they're munching acorns all day and, and 
eating on browse and there's no water around this area, which also was a reason for me to put obviously the water hole in this specific location. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that makes it even more effective, mm -hmm. right. In my opinion. So, um, yeah. And, uh, like, yeah, I mean, that makes it even more effective. So then like, yeah, I had the hundred gallons. I forgot my exactly what I was going to say, but I had the hundred gallons and the 50 gallons and the 50 gallons were running out. The hundred gallons took a long time to fill. Right. And mm -hmm. I have a, a UTV with a bed and I put a giant 50 gallon drum in there or hundred gallon mm -hmm. drum. I fill it up halfway just because mm -hmm. of the weight. And then I haul it out there and it took me three, three pours with that thing which is easy work on a UTV, but if you're hauling that in, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's a, that's a tough day, man. It's a tough yeah. day. So what, yeah, I mean, how many buckets, uh, like, I mean, if you're, if you got a 55 gallon, are you hauling in? I mean, to, to get it started, did you haul in 10, five gallon buckets to get it rolling? Yes. Yeah. Did you, did you get the water from like the, the farmer, the house right there? Yep. The farmer's got a spigot right outside that I just fill it up at. It's cool nice. with it. So yeah. Yeah. And he knows what you're doing and he's not like, hey man, yeah, you could just drive it back there. He's like, have fun. Yeah, good luck. I he they might, she might, but I don't wanna I never try to overstep my boundary. I just yeah, you know, okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Just keep keep the peace, man. No, yeah. that's fair, dude. That's fair. So then when you go fill it every like month or so, is that like, do you think you're putting in an extra, another 10 gallons? Or are you putting in 20 or what do you think you're? Fortunately with how, well, I designed it this way, but with the trail camera and the angle of it, I can see the peripheral around the, the water hole, but then I can also kind of see angled into the water hole itself. So as it gets to a certain point where I can't see it anymore, I know approximately how, how much uh, <clears throat> is left in the tank. And uh, so I'll let it go. These deer, I have videos I could send you of Jet last year. He, and here was an example. It was early, but very, this, this one instance was like a wow factor to me. And it was, I have another farm across the street that I hunt that I have trail cameras on. And I don't know what he was doing. He just got a wild hair. It was October 4th last year. And he went on this, escapade down down the river and back up and i got him on this camera like half mile away the same morning and then two hours later i get him on this water hole at like 10 15 in the morning on october 4th so that's kind of a testament to how effective these can be but moral of the story this is you know, when you were talking about how many gallons and different sizes and whatnot, um, each brand makes different shapes and whatnot. And there's like deeper pockets to some of them, you know, they're not all the same depth. And that's how this one is. It's got like a little shelf and then there's a bottom pocket to it. And uh, these deer will step right into that first shelf, which is like a foot deep and they'll stick their whole head. He's like turning his rack, trying to get his head in there. Cause it's, it's hardly wide, wide enough for his cage. He's like pushing his rack into this water hole to drink out of it. So they'll, they'll do what they got to do to, to get into that water hole, but I'll let it get pretty damn low because, you know, obviously my intrusion of filling it up is not ideal. 
So right. I let it go till it's almost, you know, like five, 10 gallons left and then I'll go top it off. I'll haul, okay. I'll just make a couple hours of it and round after round. Have Have you, I mean, how are you carrying those out there? Do you just have like an elk pack that you're hooking them up to or like you carrying them by no, hand? Just straight arm, straight arm bucket, <laughs> one in each hand. I know they're kitty litter boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that. The kitty litter box is broke on me this year. The handle's oh. broke. Dude, that was a that was a funny one. I get halfway there and <laughs> I get halfway there with one of them after I made a first round. I get halfway there with one of them and the handle breaks in half on me, drops the bucket, pours the water out. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did, I got oh. I got Menards. Okay, here's another detrimental detail to uh to you to kit to doing the five gallon bucket method, you got to have a top on them. You got to have a top or you're going to splash half the water out by the time you get there. So I got Menards buckets that have click on tops and um, they're brand new that I just got. So I'll just one arm each straight arm, carry them down the, down through the trees or the, the tree line along the edge of the field. Stay hard, Alex. Stay hard. Mm -hmm. Dude, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's fantastic. No, that's yeah. great, man. Um, So, and, and it's been really effective. And I wanted to just highlight that just because, you know, a lot of people are, uh, if they can't get the water there, it's like, well, I can't do it. You know, mm -hmm. and that's not the case. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I've seen, I haven't seen as much um effectiveness as as you have with these water holes especially right now for i'm getting less than what i expected but at the same mm -hmm. time i still get deer on them i don't not every night but certainly like hot days most most like four four to seven nights a week i'm getting deer on these water holes um i would, I would say mine's pretty pretty similar to that yeah okay five, five days a week i'll have it five days a week i'll have minimum does and fawns hitting it and right now i'd say three out of seven i'll have i'll have a, a few nice bucks coming in there okay gotcha yeah i know i gotta do i gotta go put in a little extra effort over the next couple of weeks i'll go season opens here in a couple of weeks but i i still do i don't have any on our property i had one good buck show up one day and i haven't seen them since now they're all getting they're all losing their velvet. So I'm hoping that that buck shows up a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. cause I don't like, he showed up one day and that was it at like nine, nine o'clock in the evening when it got dark at like eight 30. So I knew he was like bedded on our property and he was mm -hmm. leaving, he was exiting our property. So that's the only, and that was like a month and a half ago or something like that. That was probably like early August, mm -hmm. maybe. So since then, like I haven't seen it. So I don't have a ton of, um, what do I want to say? I don't have a lot of fear right now. Cause there's nothing like big mm -hmm. living there. And I got seven, we got seven cell cams on it now. So we're getting enough, enough data, um, to kind of say like, is there something here or not? What it like, the other thing I got to do is, is I went and checked all the water this year, like in August in my two fifty gallons, we're still full. Like I didn't have to do anything with them over the, the spring, the summer, anything, but I'm also concerned, like they're full of leaves now. And is mm -hmm. that, and, and some of them have like walnuts in them and stuff. And is that a problem? Is it not a problem? I still get coons that dive into them and I mm -hmm. don't, 
This year, I didn't set cameras directly on them because I was actually getting more pictures like on the trails off of the water holes than I was if I was just looking at the what just the water hole itself. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm doing a, a bad job this year at like getting data on if water holes are, are quality or not. I just assume that they're still hitting them and everything's going well. Mm -hmm. Like you could just leave a, leave an SD cam on that for the data portion of it. But I also, I also think you're going to see a compounding interest on that as the years progress and deer more and more deer find the water hole and they become accustomed to it. I think your results will be even better next year Yeah. or even better as the, as you know, October and November rolled around and just more deer kind of, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, make their way and, and find it and whatnot. I think it'll, it'll progressively get better for you, but also I don't think the, I don't think the leaves affect it like being on the surface and whatnot right now. I don't think that'll affect it, but maybe in like, I'll go in there in the spring and as they've decomposed throughout the winter, yeah. I'll go in there and clean, clean it out. But I also throw, and this is all just me doing what Jeff Sturgis tells me to do, but I'll throw some mud and sand into the bottom of it. Um, giving it kind of a, I don't think it needs to be perfectly clear. Nothing like that. Um, giving it a little bit of a, you know, a puddle concept to it. They like the minerals in the, in the soil and whatnot. Yeah. So I'll leave, I'll leave some mud and sand in the bottom of it. But yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think for a short period of time when the leaves fall into it, I, I personally don't think that's going to affect it. No. And I, yeah, I, I didn't see, it didn't affect it at all last year, but I, I haven't cleaned them at all. So I don't know mm -hmm. if that's a problem like now or mm -hmm. not. Cause you know, the water turns black and it smells like ass cause those coons are in there every night. Mm -hmm. So, but I, <laughs> I still get, yeah, dude, those coons, like, I mean, they love, they love it. It's a personal yeah. jacuzzi. They're like, Oh mm -hmm. look, a new pool for us. This mm -hmm. is the spa. <laughs> they can't just drink out of it. They all five got to dive into this thing and swim around and just, God, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. no, I mean, that's, that's good. That's good to, I, I appreciate all the info on that stuff. So then what else, like, as far as, I mean, you got jet, like you got jet on camera. That's one of the bucks mm -hmm. you're after. Right. And he's hitting that water hole. Um, and it looks like he's like, he's there during daylight hours right now. Like, is that mm -hmm. like once a week? Is it once every couple of weeks? Is it, have you only got mm -hmm. a couple pictures of that or? unfortunately not as consistent as last year last year he was in there like four i would say four days a week and a lot of it was in daylight um right now i got i got like a 110 inch i don't know who little three-year-old that's coming in there he's in there right now like five days a week um but jed himself and then this other big i got a I, it was my most recent post on Insta, but that's a big old, I don't know where he came from. Uh, he was actually a goofy little, uh, he had a split on one side and then a five point on the other side. And this year that other deer blew up. He's definitely bigger than jet. Um, and those two have been kind of hanging out in a bachelor group. Um, but they're, they're in there just not as consistent as I'd hope. Um, but you know, we still got a couple weeks to go and, also, what's kind of crazy about this spot is uh, 
I have a I have a good scrape up on that bedding ridge with a cell cam on it, and it is it is reliable for this spot to where if I get pictures of these deer up in that bedding point, they'll because there's also a big white oak up on that little ridge on the flat, and these deer will so consistently if they're bedding on that point, they're meandering through that little flat and eating on acorns. I'll get them seven in the morning, nine in the morning, noon. And it's so my access into this is so solid. Like I have faith that even though I'm not getting them that consistently right now, as soon as that cell cam goes off one day and that one of them big suckers is up in that bedding point, I'm telling you, they're coming out of this ridge one way and I'm sitting right where they're coming out down to the, in the evening. And that, that, uh, both those big ones, but the, especially the, the really big one that I keep mentioning, um, if they're up on that bedding point, I'm getting them on that primary scrape and at my water hole in daylight in the morning and right before dark in the evening. So it's just, even though it's not consistent, I still have faith like at any, any day, as soon as season opens, there's an opportunity that if I get them up there, that I'm going to run my ass in there and capitalize on it dude that's cool so one thing that's interesting is you mentioned like daylight in the morning like that's not usually uh people aren't usually going yeah i want to hunt the mornings in the early season um Mm -hmm. but if you're getting that info is that something that you're that you'd be doing or are you mainly you're just using that info to then sneak in midday and catch them on the way unfortunately the way that they access into this into this property is the same way that I got to access into it through this big alfalfa field. So like, I wouldn't try to hunt it in the morning because running the risk of, of bumping them out of there. But like, once they're in there, I know that I know where they are and I know where they're coming out. So it's like my access into this spot is, is dynamite for the, for an evening set. Mm. So, yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. It did. How, how big is this property? You said it was pretty is smaller. But what does that mean? 20 acres. 20 acres. Okay. So then, I mean, you can, did you, how many years have you been hunting it? This one specifically, I, I knocked it three years ago. She told me to kick rocks. I came back the next year, asked again. And, uh, through further conversation, they eventually gave me access last year. So I've been hunting this spot for two years, but I have, I have a, ton of ground full circle around this this is like a little little honey hole in the middle of everything else that i already have access to so i know what's what's around there you know gotcha okay yeah yeah i mean that like the and the reason i asked that is because sometimes like 20 acres sometimes like that is usually a quick you can usually figure out um a property that's only 20 acres in a couple years Right. You get Mm. you get three, four cameras on that, which would be a lot. But Mm. and if you take all the data throughout the entire season, you do that over a couple of years, you're like, okay, here's how everything works. Right. They go in this way. They come out this way. And here's where they like to bed if they're bedding here. And here's what they like to go. Mm. Right. Whereas if you're hunting a property that's 200 acres, it might take you five years to figure that out because you need more cameras. You need more time. You need more information to understand how the deer go from point A to B, C, D and E and F. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. did you know that like before you got permission to this, did you know that deer were coming in there and you were like, this is going to be a good spot if I can get I this. Was, 
because I, I have the property right outside of it. I was standing on the property line, staring into these heavily beaten trails that are covered with rubs going right into this. I was just chomping at the bit to get in there, but, <laughs> and I finally did. Um, but yeah, I knew they were in there. Like, dude, cow pass going into this thing with rubs littered along them. And I was, I just, you know, kind of standing outside looking. Yeah. In. So yeah, I knew it. I knew it was a good spot. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause most people would like, it, it, most people wouldn't target like trying to get permission on 20 acres. If they had, if they had a hundred around it, they might be like, ah, mm-hmm. I got the hundred. Like, I don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I say, <laughs> but you knew without it sounding arrogant, but I got over a thousand around it. And this one little 20 man is as good as, <laughs> as good <laughs> as the rest of it that I would, I would, I I wouldn't put it up, you know, there's really good spots on the rest of the thousand, but this one little spot is just as good as any other, you know, main spot on the, on the big acreage as well. It's yeah. like, you gotta divvy it up. I got a lot of little farms that are, you know, there's only one good spot on the whole farm, but if you get a bunch of those, you know, if you get half a dozen, a dozen of, 20, 40, 60 acre spots. And most of the time these where I'm hunting, it's so broken up. It's like even a 60 acre spot, it's probably 40 to 50 acres of field. So you can just disregard that. And, and you're just hunting these tiny woodlots. Yeah. So So then, I mean, with your, how long has it taken you to get that much permission? Like, is it Um, talking like, like, uh, I started hunting Wisconsin in 2019. So in okay. 19 and this will be my fifth year. I've okay. got, yeah, a lot of property. Yeah. And is, uh, have there been a lot of properties like what you're saying where you knocked on the door the first time and they're like, nah, no thanks. And then you knock on the door a second time and they're like, nah. And then the third time they're like, all right, that's fine. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of it's a progression. Usually, uh, Usually it will, it will take some time and circling back and talking to them. And I mean, this is, (laughs) this is my job in real estate. I'm supposed to, you know, build relationships and and make business happen. Well, in this aspect, my business is hunting your property. So um, it's, it's, it's very applicable to what I do for a job anyway. Um, And yeah, to, to answer your question though, usually it's not a, Hey, come on in, carte blanche, have your way with my property. Um, usually it takes time and there's a trade-off to it. Like I, none of these do I just go in and hunt. I'm usually in the hay mow when it's 110 degrees. That was this last June throwing hay bales or scooping cow shit or whatever. Anything they want me to do, I'm going to do it. And uh, that's usually my trade off to be able to have access on these properties. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, have you ever done a whole bunch of like, not a whole bunch, but like you, you scoop shit for a few days and whatnot. And then you get to hunt that property and you're like, this property sucks. Oh yeah. And then you're like, I'm not going to ask permission here next year. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That happens. You got to filter out, you know, there's some spots, uh, the, the, 
to give you an example, that thousand acre farm, there's cows in half of it. So like if you were standing on the highway looking at this beautiful ridge that's got points and and everything you want to see, cedar pockets and CRP, and it's like, oh my God, there's a booner in there. I know it. And you go in there and it's just loaded with cows and there ain't no damn deer. So um, there's plenty of those around that does happen. Um, but you just, in a year, you figure it out. Every Every farm that I'll get access on, I'll go and put a soaker cam. Like I'll walk the whole thing very detailed and then I'll throw a soaker cam in the area that I think is going to be the most, you know, beneficial and kind of feel it out. So you just let that thing sit all year. Yeah, I got, we could do it, but sometimes like the other aspects, sometimes, like I said, it can be just dead, but there's other ones. Like I, I've been twisting my buddy's arm to get over there and start hunting with me. And uh, so I went and did some door knocking with him last year. And this guy told us no, because he had kids hunting it during their youth season. He's like, come back and talk to me next year. Like, okay, yep, sounds good. We'll do. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, see this mega giant on the wall? I shot that behind right on the farm here. And it was the county record when I shot it, the county record typical. It's like, okay, well, that's good to know. Um, we end up going back this year, just a couple of weeks ago. And um, he's like, yeah, yeah, why don't you go ahead and hunt it? And so the heavens opened up and ah, (laughs) my buddy go in there to scout this thing and find a bunch of wild apple trees that are dropping plum trees. It's got a nice ravine running through it with, with water. And it's like the perfect makes like all these little rut funnels because the the edge of the water or the edge of the Creek is washed out. So like, there's some little, and that's a small piece too. That's not very big. And, uh, but you just moral the story. You don't need a hundred plus acres to make hay. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and that's, that one's where, where you come back and you're able to hunt it next year. And yeah, if it's 15 acres, if it's 25, I know a dude, uh, a friend of a friend went out, he got permission on a property that was 10 acres last year. And he's, a uh, uh, exterminator so he goes out and just you know does d- clean, treats for bugs and stuff and he treated this house and he's like hey does anybody hunt your property and they're like no not really and he's like would you ever be interested in i you know would you i i don't know if i'd ever hunted or anything but would you ever be interested in like trading some treatments for you know i'll pay for your treatments through my company and and then i'll like i could hunt your property and he was like yeah, that's fine. Like, sure. Go for it. Dude, dude hunted it twice and shot 160 inch. Like, yeah. Second time out there. He went out there one time and sat and he's like, I I didn't see anything, but there was plenty of sign. He's like, Mm. it's, it's all there. So he went out there next time and he just sat on the ground behind a log, shot 160 inches, 10, 10 yards. Like, and he's like, yeah, dude, it was ridiculous. (laughs) He's like, but no one, no one hunts it. It's only 10 acres and it's just a big hill. It's, mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's a giant hill that goes uphill. And he just like went halfway up the hill, found a really good trail, sat down and they were just using it as a pass through. Wow. You know, but yeah, it's yeah. just one, it's just one of those things you don't need, you know, you don't need, like you said, a hundred acres, you can have 10 mm-hmm. acres or whatever and mm-hmm. do just fine. If it's um, the right 10 acres. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, that's the hard part is like, if you get, 
if you get a whole bunch of those and then you're all of a sudden you're committed to helping all these people and only, you, mm. you know, you get a dozen of them and you're committing mm. to helping all these people and only like two yeah. of them actually produce. Trust. Oh my gosh. I have, I have a part-time job at this point in helping farmers get their miscellaneous work that they got for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's honest. It's time consuming for sure. But I mean, do you want to hunt or not? Right. That's the thing. Yeah. And you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the idea is you go out, you try to get all these properties and, and you maybe, cause realistically, how many can you actually hunt, you know, in mm-hmm. a given year? So maybe mm-hmm. you try to get six of them. I don't know what a good number is, but maybe you try to get six, six to 10 of them. And then after that year, you're going to weed out 50% of them like that aren't any good, right? You're going to put in the time and effort and you're going to get down to, let's just call it four properties and you'd be able to hunt those. And then, and then your time's a little freed up, but then next year, maybe you might add a couple more and you whittle Mm -hmm. it down again. And you just like keep building up until you get like a couple really good, high quality properties that you can hunt. And then that's where you spend all your time and helping those, you know, two, three farmers out with whatever they need. And you can get rid of not help everybody else. Mm-hmm. Do you, yeah. Like, is that kind of how you're going? Or are you just like adding and adding and adding? Mm, I've, I've, uh, I've drawn back a little bit on my efforts just because I have so much now to where I can't keep up with it. And it's, it's completely dictated on like, you know, not every property's made equal. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're, there's only going to be one good spot on it. Some of them might have five good spots on it. And, you know, with my time and effort of cameras and stand prep and, and scouting and glassing and all that, I have enough now to where it's like, uh, I'm not looking for the next 200. I'm pretty happy with as long as it's at least P and Y, I'm pretty happy with that. And I have enough property now and enough bucks to chase to where it's like, I, I haven't door knocked quite as much, but yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, that's fair. So then not, so you got the properties and, and we've been talking about this one specific 20 acre chunk. Is there anything else kind of producing in terms of like early season stuff where you got cams up? Do you have cams on like all these properties? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure um that helps when you park have like <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> beneficial it saves yeah. my saves my finances yeah. um no i i only got like uh five or six cell cams out right now a lot of them are actually sd cams um that i'll just use for for seasonal data or I'll just run them on field edges so I don't have to penetrate the the timber because these spots are so it's like living in a glass house dude you got to just tiptoe around because you can blow it up so easy when they're small woodlots um so I'll just run cameras on field edges and figure out the deer that are in there but yeah I got I got the one that I shared on uh social media it's my most recent post that's a that's a real nice one Mm -hmm. um that i've known about for at least two years now and then uh i got another one that's oh he's a showstopper but i haven't shared anything about it because his rack is so definitive like if anybody else has ever seen this deer they're gonna know where i'm at what he's doing i just yeah i'll share that one when i tip him over but 
uh yeah i got two really big ones and then uh three or four that are that i would still consider shooting that i would nice. be pretty damn happy with but yeah so it's it's shaping up pretty good i thought it was going to be i thought i was going to be high and dry this year like slim pickings because all these farms have plenty of hunters on them mainly the families during the gun season you you wisconsinites are die hard deer drivers and these oh, yeah. guys these guys <laughs> get everybody and their cousins brothers sisters uncles and they drive these woods lots and just bang them up and uh last year they they shot like four out of the six bucks on my hit list so i was like oh god what am i gonna have this year and uh few of the few of the smaller bucks blew up pretty good so i'm sitting all right but yeah yeah we like to we like to thin the herds <laughs> <laughs> yeah keep the numbers some, down. some big old drives and i you know we do drives on our property every year as well like we'll do we'll do we'll sit the first the first two days the first two to three days and then we'll start pushing like little sections like sections where i know there's bedding where i know they can be like tucked in and no one's touching them we'll mm -hmm. push those and a lot of times it's me pushing them to my dad because i'm using it to like just scout through there and potentially shoot something and my dad's a sitter and he doesn't really shoot a whole lot so i'm like hey i'm gonna do this little chunk and i'm gonna push it to to you because i want you to shoot something and there's probably mm -hmm. something's gonna come running through here so be like look in this direction you know, mm. and half the time I tell him where to go and where to sit and where to look. And he's 50 yeah. yards off looking the wrong direction. And I'm like, how I, I, you know, this property better than I do. How, how am I like, how yeah. is this direction so bad? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's always, that's always fun. But, um, but yeah, so yes, we, we certainly do deer drive. So I'm, well, I'm glad that you're getting the, the bucks coming back and you're getting the, um, the, the growth that you're hoping for, <laughs> even mm -hmm. though, even though there a lot of them died out. So then yeah. like, is your plan then to kind of like for this season, at least is because that water hole area and that point and that bedding area, it's, it's consistent. It's easy. It's um, it's predictable is a good word. Like, are you kind of just hanging out on, on that one for early season and, and is hoping that a pattern sticks still for that for a while and then moving on to others? Or do you have others that you're trying to hunt or what do you got going on? Yeah, I got that one that I haven't shared any pictures of the, the big unique one. He's actually most consistent out of all the shooters, um, but he's on a different farm. So I'll probably focus my efforts over there and try to try to chase him down and I'll let the cameras tell me when I need to hunt that little 20 acre piece with the water hole because yeah. like I said it's so situational it's just day to day where um I would be I'd be hunting in the dark if I didn't have the cameras um because they're pretty inconsistent on it right now but when they're in there you got a really good shot that you can sneak in and set up and be on the spot that they're going to come out to, you know, in the evening. So, um, I'll just hunt that as the camera's telling me to, but, um, yeah, it's, I'm just opportunistic. I'm not really, I'm not the guys focusing on one booner and, and not, not chasing anything else. I'll, I'll make the most of, uh, an opportunity if I see one daylight and elsewhere, 
Um, I'll just, I'll run over there and hunt that farm and bounce. I do a lot of bouncing around ultimately. And, uh, yeah, between that and, um, my efforts right now is moving forward, but prior to season, I try to glass as much as I can right now. Um, and (laughs) for all you guys wondering where the season's at or as things are progressing, my personal opinion, I was sitting on like the only cut cornfield um, for a long ways last night. And I thought it was going to be a gold mine. I didn't see a damn thing, which tells me, I think that they're really focused right now on acorns. They're, they're hitting the acorns pretty hard. And we got a good crop of red oak. Uh, I've seen a ton of red oak, pin oak, and uh, white oaks when you can find them. So, yeah, I think right now it's going to be, less in the fields and that but they're you know not too far off in the timber munching on acorns so gotcha. yeah is that does that big one is is he consistent on like water or, or acorns or a scrape or just a trail or field i uh, i know where he's betting i know the the betting the general betting points that he's on and i'm just monitoring them based upon what I guess what you would call pinch points, um, washouts in the ridge, field edges, pinch between the woods and corn. That is a pinch point. You know, that's yeah. that's a big one. They don't want to walk through that corn. Um, stuff like that. I'm just monitoring them coming in and out type of thing. Gotcha. So. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not really I haven't locked him in. I know where he's one of his more consistent betting areas, but uh, it's not as, as, as guaranteed as this other little spot we keep talking about with the water hole, because that's just kind of a, that's an anomaly, you know, for how it sets up and how, how huntable that spot is. Some of this other area is kind of little, little bit more shooting in the dark, but I know that there's one in there to shoot and that he's running around in daylight, like, daylight like he shouldn't be so yeah see if i can jump on that no yeah that's that's fair and if you can sneak in there do you have permanent sets set or are you just carrying your lone wolf stuff in there or what do you i got one i got one permanent set and it's on that water hole (laughs) okay i i hung a portable on that water hole and i brushed it in with a bunch of branches and zip ties so um that's everything else i got uh I'm just mobile hunting, you know, climbing sticks yeah. and my lone wolf tree stand. Gotcha. So then with yeah. that bigger one, do you have are like, cause you know, kind of where he's roughly betting are, mm-hmm. are you hot or do you have like trees picked out where you're like, all right, if I have like, are, are in that scenario, I guess, are you waiting on a cold front? Are you waiting on anything are you just going in there when you can and kind of doing an observation sit what do you like what's the plan um plan will be picking around the edges to start with and see if i seeing if i can't get any further intel on them you know see them from a distance or something like that and then jump on it but uh i don't i really don't go into the heart of these where i know they're at i really my default to like anything is picking around the edge i'll just i'll hunt unless I have a really good access in or something like that, I'll pick around the edge in almost every circumstance and just wait for them to make the mistake. Um, or sit, like you said, at a vantage point and, uh, 
slide in when I when I see something worth worth noting. Sure. Okay. So then you yeah, have no, I don't have this 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 property's too big and I don't there's too many places he can be on it for me to, you know, say like this is how it's gonna go or have like the confidence that I gotta go here and do this and he's dead. I don't have that. But um to know that he's on that property as consistently as he is, um and in daylight, that's that's all the optimism I need. Yeah. So then, and when you say picker on the edges, you're basically like kind of field edges, like easy in, easy out, like can kind of see a good ways and just hold, like not diving into the woods, trying to get close to the bed and set up, you know, 80 yards from them or anything like mm -hmm. kind of sticking on the outside waiting. Like, and by you say, like, I'm just trying to understand what you mean by picking around the edges. Um, it will be situational. Um, and I could tell you, I could tell you, but I don't want to tell you. No, 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 that's guess. fine. That's fine. Um, no, there's more detail to it. And there's more to this, to, it's just low intrusion. How least intrusive can I be? Even if it's an access trail or something, if I can hunt right off the access trail that he already knows, or he, he, uh, ties that in with people already, um, you know, I'm not going to blow him out of there. If he smells my ground scent, um, on, off this access trail, something like that, I'll do that. Or, uh, you know, if, if I have a camera really tell me something like he's in here doing this, I sometimes I'll kind of slide in and make something happen. But, um, a lot of the time that making something happen usually ends in them smelling my ground scent and disappearing for two weeks. So I don't really like to do that. Right. No, I mean that's that's fair. <laughs> not a lot of pop, lot not a lot of people do. Um yeah. so then yeah, I just I yeah, and kind of sitting around those least intrusive areas, the areas that can um that you can get in and out of really easy. Yeah, I've got a good wind for. So you're not mm -hmm. like saying, Yeah, I'm going to wait for a northwest cold front, then I'm gonna hunt this food source. It's kind of just like when you can get out there, you can and get to it in a least intrusive spot hang out, see what you see. And maybe he might slip up and, and, and mm -hmm. come walking your way some, some evening or morning. Yeah. I got another example of one on a different property that I'll do that I would still consider picking around the edge, but I'm at, I'm actually way deep into this is it's got a river running through it and I'll circle way around the edge of the property as far off and away from where these deer are at as I can get. I'll J hook into it. I'll walk the river up and then I'll set up only like, 10, 15 yards off the water. So like, you're not going to get my ground sent. I didn't blow them out of there to get into it. And I got a good shot at this spot that they'll, that they'll come by me there. Gotcha. So stuff like that. I would still consider, you know, low intrusion. Right. Yeah. That'd be the idea. Okay. No, that, mm -hmm. that makes sense. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's helpful in terms of just kind of understanding like if somebody else is out there and they're trying to figure out what their game plan is for a buck that they've got on camera a few times and they don't know what they're doing. And you, you prefer that low intrusion just because you're, you're not confident enough to like really pinpoint and get on it. And the low intrusion will keep them there and keep them kind of doing his thing um, until potentially like maybe in the season, all of a sudden he's consistently doing something for a few days in a row. And you're like, Oh, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. Is that kind yeah, of the idea? 
Yeah, it might not even have to be a few days in a row, but uh oh 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 no, just kidding. I lied. I was about to show you a big buck, but that was <laughs> that was a, a prior one. Um all that being said, sorry, at the, yeah, the cell no, all good. All good. you can't not you <laughs> trail can't camp not. photos are important. Dude, um <laughs> sorry, can you ask that again? Uh I said um what did i say basically you're waiting for them to kind of do some some sort of consistency oh, yeah i'll i'll jump on opportunities though even if i see them like the best case scenario is i catch them right before daylight or right at daylight in the morning headed in the direction even if he does that once i i will be in there headed in the same direction he was going and that's been like my most consistent opportunity for early season is if you can catch them, I'll set these cameras up on access trails or likely routes that they take into bedding, regardless the property. Um, that's kind of one of the most consistent opportunity or like strat strategies I've had to utilize the cameras to get on these deer if they're, you know, headed into this bedding area that I know about and it's within an hour of daylight or sometimes a lot of the times right at daylight, it's like I'm setting up that night on an access trail coming out of there. Yeah. And eventually you do that enough times you're, you get, you, you get an opportunity. So. Yeah. That's a huge advantage of cell cams. Like if you can get them going into an area in the morning, you're like, all right, mm -hmm. they're going to be in there. Like I just got to, he's got two or three ways out of there. Like let's set up mm -hmm. on one of those and see what we can do. Yeah. No, yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. All right, man. Well, we're rolling up to an hour and a half or so. And while well, we've been on the call for close to an hour and a half, I don't know how long the actual cast is, but um, any last like thoughts or, or tips or strategies or anything like that you really like for the early season style that could potentially help somebody out? Um, hunt. I learned this uh, last year. Why? I had already applied it, but it really drove home the concept to me last year. And that is for this first two weeks, I mean, the, the pinnacle would be if you can find like a wild apple tree that's dropping. Um, but usually you're settling for, if you can find a good red oak or white oak flat, the acorns are really a strong draw right now. And uh, if you can scout your way around, like ignore cameras scout your way around and look for look for rubs they're going to be on little you know whips little little saplings um but with deer only being out of velvet for like you know by opener it's about a little over two weeks if you can find these oak flats that got just a few rubs in them or you're going to find a few rubs in a big track and shit and scratching at the ground to get to the acorns uh, that is, that can really produce in the first couple of weeks because, you know, they, that, you know, that sign is fresh with the rubs and you know, that, um, the, the right acorn flat can be a magnet for, for deer, you know, in the, okay. in the first couple of weeks. So that's yep. what I try to key on is, is acorn flats and, and, uh, trying to find some rubs, fresh sign. So gotcha food. And buck sign is good. And probably like a little seclusion. Like hopefully it's not midnight activity, right? Mm -hmm. 
not yeah. not 10 yards off the off the road from the parking lot on the public ground like it's got to mm-hmm. be pushed back in there a little ways um yeah that's that's very consistent with what i hear from a lot of other people like man that's that's how it's it's uh it's consistent and it seems to be a consistent producer every year for guys because pretty mm-hmm. soon here i'll start interviewing and to, and we'll start having podcasts of guys who are killing bucks mm-hmm. and a lot of those guys are uh, it's either a food plot or or an oak flat like that's mm-hmm. usually what it is in the early season potentially mm-hmm. a scrape mm-hmm. um where somebody's getting some action but usually that scrape ties in with an oak flat mm-hmm. as well or it's something really tight to a bedding area like a dan mm-hmm. and fault type thing so all right. Awesome, Alex. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it, dude. I hope you yeah, don't have to course. go 56 sits before uh, shooting one again this year. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I God, I hope not either. Don't get me wrong. It was fun and all, but uh, that that's a grind. It Turns is yeah. a long season. Yep. So. Uh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. All right. Well, thank you, Alex. Really appreciate it. Again, if people want to find you, it's deer underscore development on Instagram. Um, so go ahead find them there, find them on Facebook as well. And, um, and thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like subscribe, tell a friend word of mouth is probably the the highest reason people start listening to me as oh, I heard about you from a buddy type of thing. So I, if you enjoyed it, you know, share the podcast with everybody. And again, I just want to say a thank you for everybody who's using the Heller 10 promo code and I'm getting, I just ordered a whole bunch of new hats. Um, again, send me, send me your receipt and whatnot. So heller a 90 at gmail.com, send me your receipt and I will, um, I'll throw you into, to a drawing to win a hat. So appreciate that. And we'll catch you next time.